Hello and welcome to SPT's Halftime Talk. Today we are chatting to former Notre Dame Division I elite swimmer Rob Whitaker. Rob talked me through the American college sports system and his journey as a scholarship athlete, and much more. This is an episode you won't want to miss, so keep on listening. Welcome, Rob, to the Halftime Talk podcast. We're very excited to have you here. Hey, Chrissy, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Very good. So to start off the conversation, why don't we begin your athletic journey, begin talking about that? So was swimming always the sport on your radar or did you dabble in other areas of sporting as well? Um, Yeah, no, it absolutely wasn't, believe it or not. I was actually um, a major baseball fan and still am to this day. And I, I love baseball from a very young age. Um, what actually got me into swimming was I grew up um, in the States and in, in New Jersey, kind of by the ocean. And so we always used to go to the beach in the summertime and my mom didn't really know how to swim that well. So I have, I have three sisters and we all, ever since, you know, we could walk, we were taking swim lessons when we were younger, uh, just for safety reasons. And then as I got a bit older, I still, you know, wasn't that fond of swimming. We would always do like a summer league team kind of just during the summer months. And then my little sister actually started swimming competitively year-round when she was about, um, let's see, she was probably around 10 years old. And soon after that, the coach of that team saw that I was a, a young, you know, lanky kid. And she was like, oh, why doesn't, why doesn't Rob try out for swimming? And so I tried out and made the team. And to be honest, I absolutely hated it at first. But then, um, you know, as I got older and grew into it a bit more, I started to, to find a love for it. So what started out as a necessity for safety became a big part of your career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, up until the point I really joined the competitive club where I was swimming all year round, it was more of just something that we did for fun. Um, and my focus is really only baseball. And, and as I even what even when I was on that competitive club, I was still you know still playing baseball and basketball and swimming as well. Um, but then as I got to high school and, and got you know a little bit better in each of the sports, I had to choose one. And so um, yeah, I ended up choosing swimming. You were offered a scholarship to the prestigious college Notre Dame um, from Christian Brothers High School. And you were accepted into their swimming and diving side. So going from high school to college, was that sort of the focus? You were were going to compete competitively in college or were you just kind of happy to see what happens? Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. So I kind of have an interesting uh, little story because in high school, my first, you know, first two years of high school, I wasn't very good at all, honestly. And I, towards the end of my sophomore year, um, so when I was about 16, I really wasn't looking into swimming in college at all. I was just going to go to college as a, as a regular student. And then my junior year of high school, so when I was 17, I really made um, large improvements in my swimming and all of a sudden started getting uh, calls from coaches and things like that. So, you know, then I thought it was more of a possibility and then I just kept getting better and better throughout the year and uh, decided it was something I really wanted to do. Um, but yeah, so in the U.S., how it works with recruiting um, for colleges from being a high school athlete is if you genuinely want to play, coaches will contact you, and it's with the full expectation that you're going to compete at the you know highest level. Um, and my goal 
to be quite honest, was to, you know, try to find the best academic school as well as, you know, the fastest swim school. And um, of the schools that I was offered, that my top four, uh, Notre Dame was had the highest athletics and academics. So that's kind of why I chose them. And, and yeah, I, I had from day one, I had the mentality of I was going to see how fast I could get at swimming and, you know, take it as far as I could. Do you think that that's what the change was? You said, you know, at the beginning of high school, you weren't that good and then things really started to improve. Was it the mentality of I could really take this competitively? Is that what changed for you? Yeah, I would say it first started out as, and and to be honest, and I, I'm I have some experience swimming in Australia as well, so I know in the back of, you know, in the, and you say it for any athlete in the back of their mind is, you know, there's that Olympic dream, right? No matter or professional dream, no matter how um, realistic or not that is, there's always that little inkling in the back of your mind. So I think in the back of my mind, yeah, I was hoping to, you know maybe make it to the Olympics or even just make it to the Olympic trials. Um, but ultimately in high school, it was like, okay, I can, you know, um, probably get into a better school than I would be able to on academics alone. So with colleges, sometimes they give a little bit of a pass to um, student athletes if, cause they, they understand that being a student athlete is very difficult even in high school. So you might not have the time to put um, as much into your studies as a normal student. So they do give a little bit of a, of a leeway on test scores that way. So, um, yeah, and then that was kind of my focus. And then even at Notre Dame, I was able to get some scholarship money as well to help out my family. Um, so, so that was also a huge factor. You got lots of calls from coaches, and then it was basically down to you on what you thought would work best. Yeah, I was down to four schools, and it ended up being um, – yeah, like I said, it was the academic side of things and, and the swimming, how competitive they were uh, in the country, and then also um, scholarship money as well. So with those three factors, Notre Dame was uh, definitely the, the one that I chose. And your career at Notre Dame has garnered some great achievements, but do you have an achievement that you always look back on as your biggest win? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I definitely have a couple that I think fondly on. And it's interesting in swimming because... You know, compared to most other sports, it's, it's a very individual-based sport. So while, you know, at certain meets I might not have won the race, I did my best, my personal best time, which is a, effectively a win, a win for me. Um, I would say there's, there's two that really stick out to me. Um, one of them was my senior year of college. I, um, I got second at the ACC championships in the 200 backstroke. Um, that was always that was an interesting one. I, I was, uh, I, I came in second by a very small margin. It was like 0.2 seconds, but, uh, that was the highest I ever placed at that meet. So that was a proud accomplishment for me to be able to get on the podium there. And then I would say the second one would be when, um, my medley relay our 200 medley relay got, um, all American status at the NCAA championships. Um, so we, technically finished 16th so it's an honorable mention all-american but um yeah being, being the top 16 in the country in anything is uh is a pretty great accomplishment and to even do it with uh you know with three other guys is, is something really special and, and something i always think back on a little bit of background to a few things that you yeah. said there so was that teams from all over the usa and then the status that you said was the all all american status yeah so um yeah so it's actually all over the, the world our, our one of our swimmers on that relay was british as well so he's from england um 
Yeah, so in the in swimming, how it works is the top eight in each event are automatic All-Americans, and then from 9 through 16 are honorable mention All-Americans. So, yeah, we finished 16th in a pretty exciting race. And, um, yeah, and, and to be quite honest, we were, we were just happy to, to be in the, in the finals for that relay, and, and we swam a great race and, and did everything we could. But it, it's definitely really special to be able to share something like that in such an individual sport with a team of three guys, or three other guys, rather. And, and that bond is, is stuff that you'll never forget. Do you find that you prefer relay or individual swimming? Is, do you have a preference, or you're just happy to go with whatever happens? Yeah, I would. I mean, it, it's interesting because my best event was probably the 200 um, meter backstroke, which is only an individual event. Where um, in relays you can swim 50, uh, 50 meters of any stroke as well as 100 meters of any stroke. And um, so, being that my best event was the 200, I, I liked that event a lot. And uh, you know, but I always really do wish I could have had my best event in a relay as well. Because it, it just gives you that much more motivation, even if you're not feeling it that day or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're, you're able to look at the guys next to you. And if you have a strong bond with them, it just, you know, can make you go that much faster, which makes it all the more fun at the end of the day. And you're matching their energy, really. You see if they're hyped up, you'll get hyped up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, so I was the backstroker, so that was the lead off. So just starting the relay off strong with a good uh, leg in the backstroke was just, you know, something I could do to set the tone and then, you know, having your best friend close off the relay um, or, you know, follow you in, in any sort of leg would be, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. So the mindset of an athlete is one that's focused, clear, and above all determined. What did your prep look like before a big meet? So I would get pretty meticulous about my preparations. Um, I mean, I think, you know, to, like you just said, preparations start, it, it can't be something that, you do the week before a race it has to be something that you're doing all year round in terms of like training hard and and you know eating right and getting all those uh little things right before the meet happens you know that's something that you need to do all year round but as far as what i would do in terms of leading up to a meet um obviously i would i would make sure i would get my sleep and that's also something you need to get you know throughout the year i'm getting in college getting eight plus hours a night um you know sacrificing going out on weekends with friends to get your sleep and perform at your best. One thing, one interesting thing I would do, and, and I'm not sure how, um, how many people do it over in Australia, I would eat a lot of, or eat and drink a lot of beets and beet juice. Um, interesting. In order to, yeah, in order to, so there's a lot, there's a good amount of studies out there about um, the nitric oxide in, in beets and beet juice and how beets are one of the most concentrated forms of that. And effectively that, is a vasodilator so it helps more blood flow go to your body or go to your muscles so yeah that's one little quirky thing i always used to do so it kind of sounds like beet juice was like popeye's spinach that was your secret <laughs> secret stuff yeah that was that was one of my that was one of my secrets i had a couple other a couple other things i don't know how effective they were whether it was uh you know science or just the placebo effect but uh beet juice is definitely one that i think uh i think if you if you can stomach the taste, that you should definitely be doing because I think it can only help. On the mental side, I would say uh, preparing for your race in, in forms like visualization and going through all the different outcomes that could possibly happen. You know, in swimming, let's say you could, you know, 
potentially slip on the block on your start or your goggles could fill up with water or your suit could fit. You know, it, it might not fit perfectly. You know, being prepared for all those things ahead of time so nothing is a surprise and, and knowing knowing what exactly you want to do and how you're going to do it, you know, it just keeps you calm. Kind of like anything, visualizing anything and, and having a plan is uh, something that's very important and kind of in all aspects of life, not just swimming. So your journey as an athlete has led you now onto helping teams from all over the USA level up their game day performance with GPS data. What do you think the biggest benefits a coach can expect after introducing GPS tech into the team? Yeah, so coming into um, the world of GPS and, and team sports, honestly, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly t- familiar with team sports. I'm a football fan and a soccer fan as well, but I've really been on the performance side of things. And it was very interesting to me when I first came on board um, and, and kind of entered this world to see, you know, how, how similar and different they were from swimming. So coming from the swimming background, right, I have a fixed um, – I, and I, this is how I kind of explained it to coaches as well. I, when I swam, I had a fixed distance. I knew exactly how long my race was going to be. I knew it was going to be, let's say, 200 meters. And I knew or I had an idea of what I needed to, to do to swim that 200 meters as fast as possible. Right? So I had a plan for practicing, and I knew the distance that my race was going to be. So very simply, just moving that over um, to the team sports world and GPS world, one, if you're a soccer team and you're playing a game and you're not using GPS tracking, they, you know, they have no idea how far they're running, right? And, and obviously, with sports like soccer and football, uh, American football, um, et cetera, there are a lot of other technical aspects that are very important, like positioning and, and um, touches and, and things of that nature. But as just from a strictly physiological side, I would say you need to, you know, be as fit as possible to perform at that level. One, to obviously reduce injury and make sure you're not overworking or underworking um, your players, but also just to use the philosophies from track and swimming and all the individual sports to you know improve performance and maximize performance, optimize performance. So whether that's tapering or loading up or going through different training cycles and periodizing your season out, so you know that your players, you know, when they're going to be at peak performance, et cetera. So to be able to use GPS tracking as a coach, I think it can be, you know, the only tool, not, not the only tool you, do, you, you use, but one of the most important tools that you can use to make sure that you're just from a physical side training your players the correct way, um, whether that's in practice or in games, et cetera. Your mindset around, you know, individual sport to team sports, do you feel like your mindset has changed? It's it's not individual anymore. It's all about team effort when it comes to GPS data. Yeah, I would say, you know, my mindset has changed in a couple of ways. Um, you know, initially kind of thinking upon myself and how it's reverted to what I'm doing in the day-to-day, just internally within SPT, um, it's a big team effort. You know, we're constantly relying on each other um, whether it's, you know, coworkers on the technical support side or the developers or, um, you know, anyone within the organization, that sort of team aspect. Um, it is kind of similar to swimming where, you know, you need to rely on your teammates in the relay, but also you need to be able to go out on your own and, and perform 
and um, you know have the conversations and do what you need to do individually to help the team grow. Um, as far as when I'm talking with coaches and, and the benefits that it can provide and how that mindset has changed for me, to be honest, my total mindset is I want to give the coaches the tools to help their players get to the next level or even get that coach to the next level of coaching wherever they might want to be. Um, I, I just think for me and, and one of the reasons I was so excited to get on board with HPT is that you know sport has given me so much in my life throughout the you know. 10, 11 years that I was competing at the highest level of, uh, of a sport. And then I've learned so much of it that I wouldn't be able to learn otherwise that, you know, helping kids get to the next level and achieve their dreams or even helping coaches get to the next level and achieve their dreams is something that, you know, I take a lot of pride in. And I think it's, it's an important, it's a, an important and noble job to help give everyone all the aspects and tools that they can use to uh, further themselves, well, whatever their goals might be. Sport in the US, especially college sport, is, is so huge and it can really change a person's life. So you're absolutely right in saying that the work you do could potentially, you know, fulfill someone's Olympic dream, which you said all athletes have in the back of their mind, whether they want to admit it or not. And you're, you're totally right. I sometimes forget the difference of college sport between here and, and you know, the similar level in Australia. But, um, you know, there's kids that, that are playing sports right now that without college sport, they wouldn't even be able to get into college. And playing soccer or playing football allows them to, I mean, I wouldn't say not get into college, but not afford it. But playing soccer or football or any other sport allows them and gives them the financial means to um, whether it's, you know, take their sports to the next level and ultimately be a professional or just be able to get an amazing education at a, you know, at a, at a higher level than high school and then, you know, effectively change the course of their life. So it's, um, yeah, that, that might be a little, a little bit of a, of a crazy view, but honestly, in the day-to-day, that's how I, that's what I think about when I'm having my conversations with coaches. That's the motivation, absolutely. So most coaches I'm sure you talk to are quite willing to give GPS a try, but sometimes I'm sure there are coaches, especially coaches that have been in their field for maybe upwards of 30, 40 years, they come to you and they say, why GPS? Why does our team need GPS? What's your response to that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I do come across that quite a bit and there's, there's definitely different, um, there's different ways to phrase it. And, and initially there's different things that different things that go through my head about what I think about. And so the first thing that, that I would say to them is, you know, if you're, if you're doing your rightful duty as a coach and, and trying to get your players to the next level, or even just trying to get your players to fulfill your goal, um, at the very, very least, you want to keep them healthy. So the first step in keeping them healthy is understanding the physical demands of their training and games. And so GPS allows you to do that. If you want them to help them fulfill their goals and get to the next level, then GPS is absolutely going to help them do that by not only keeping them healthy, but also making them physically, you know, perform at their highest when they need to. So really at the base of it is is saying to these coaches, of course you want to learn more about the way your players work. I mean, this is your team. That's kind of the root yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah, and, and that's that's the way I, I kind of I try to phrase it um, more so to hit not necessarily the technical aspect of things, but really hit their core into what you know what was the first reason that they 
became a coach and was the reason they became a coach in the first place, right? You know, maybe if they've been doing it for 30, 40 years, they might have lost that insight. But at the heart, or I like to think that all coaches, you know, became coaches to help their kids. And whether that's helping them get to the next level or achieve their goals or, you know, whatever that looks like, um, you know, GPS can help them do that. But it's finding those coaches out there that are really interested in, in getting their players to the next level and doing what's best for their kids. The most part of what I found, that's most of the coaches out there. To finish this great conversation off, just uh, tell us about some of the successes that you've seen in teams after they've invested into SPT Tech. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I do caution saying this because it's not like, to be quite honest, if you, you know, buy SPT tomorrow, you're not going to win a championship this season. That's just not how it works. You have to use it diligently and use it the right way. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, a, a lot of the successes that I've seen in especially American football um, has been with, you know, a couple of teams, but one coach, again, and like I was talking about before, one of those great people that just wants to do the best by their kids is um, a high school football team called Thompson High School and their head coach, Mark Freeman, and their whole coaching staff. They've done an amazing job, you know, wanting to be on the cutting edge, especially in a sport like football where GPS is a little bit behind the times. Um, GPS isn't very widely used, and they were willing to go out and, and be on the cutting edge, and it's reaped great benefits for them in reducing injuries and, and monitoring you know, their players' workloads throughout the week. And they've been able to see vast improvements, and I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago about how you know being able to see let's say what their wide receiver they've been able to see massive increases in their top speed just by you know slightly tweaking what they're doing throughout the week and so it, it's things like that and and reducing the injuries of their linemen because of tweaking what they're doing throughout the week and not overworking them so there's been a, a lot of things and that's just one of the many instances that you know i've had and and seen and it's been it's been great to work with them and it's great to work with with all the coaches that you know we partner with and I have direct relationships with. That's just one of the many, especially in American football, that we've seen. Thank you so much for coming on to Halftime Talk. It's been a great chat. I really appreciate the time and having me on. And um, yeah, look forward to, to chatting again soon.